Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. Whole bunch of people sent me a story about the non-compete agreements. Non-compete agreements. You go to work someplace, and the day they hire you, or somewhere along the way where you're working there, they bring you a piece of paper and go, here, sign this. And it says that if you sign the document, if you leave their employee, you can't go work for a competitor for some period of time or within some range. And sometimes these make sense, but quite often they don't. They've been abused a lot lately. But let me give you an example where one might make sense. Suppose I opened a business called Steve's Speed Shop, and I take customer cars and turn them into hot rods. You bring your car in, I'll tune it for you. Steve's Speed Shop. I become known far and wide as the best tuner in southeastern Michigan. And somebody comes along and goes, Steve, I want to buy your business from you. I want to buy your business from you. So, oh, I want to sell you my business. So you buy the business. I go sit on a beach someplace for a couple weeks and I get bored. They go, you know, I kind of miss running my business. So I come back into town and I open up a shop across the street called Steve's New Speed Shop. (laughs) Now, you go, wait, that wouldn't be fair. Well, if we had no agreement, guess what? I can get away with that. So the agreement is when you buy the shop from me, you say as part of this purchase, we're not just purchasing the assets of the business and the name. We're also buying the goodwill, which is one of the things that you know people come here because of, of the fact that it's affiliated with you. But if you open up a competing shop, they won't do that. So you'll agree to sell us the business, not to open a similar shop, say, for five years uh, within 500 miles. So you want to go to Ohio and do this? Uh, go ahead, as long as it's far enough away. And that makes sense. And so those kinds of non-competes have been around for a long time. They're often associated with the sale of the goodwill of a business, but they've been abused lately where a lot of businesses will simply ask everyone to sign a non-compete, including people who like, I don't know, deliver fast food, which makes no sense at all. And so the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, wants to ban companies from telling their employees that they can't work for competitors. And they say that if this law gets passed, it'll help workers make $300 billion more a year. And what they're getting at is if you deliver pizzas and you've signed a non-compete, if somebody down the street offers you more pay, you can't take it because you signed a non-compete to not compete with the people making the pizzas. So the Federal Trade Commission wants to make sure your boss can't force you to sign away your rights to work at a similar company or even to start your own business. And Insider.com ran this version of the story, but it was widely reported. The Wall Street Journal had a good article on it, too. Under a new proposed rule, the FTC would ban employers from saddling workers with non-compete agreements that prohibit them from working at competitors or starting similar businesses. The commission argues that non-competes are an unfair method of competition that violate the Federal Trade Commission Act, and their ban would broaden opportunities for American workers putting almost $300 billion more in their pockets annually across the entire workforce in the U.S. Why are we doing this? Asks the FTC chair, rhetorically. Basically, in short, there's a whole raft of economic evidence that now documents the ways in which these non-compete clauses undermine competition and competitive conditions. Theoretically, non-competes are meant to stop primarily high-level employees from jumping ship to other companies, bringing proprietary information and other knowledge with them. There were some very, very high-profile cases back in the 80s and 90s about executives at car companies who ran departments who would then go work for a competitor and bring with them all of the information they had gained at the last job. And you can see why that might get touchy. So in practice, non-competes are more sweeping. 
Over 30 million workers are made to sign non-competes, according to the National Employment Law Project, and over a third of those workers are asked to sign the agreements after they've already accepted the job. And that would be a very, very easy rule to pass that makes sense, to say if they don't offer this to you on the day they hire you, it shouldn't be enforceable. Because they give you the job, you start working, and they go, oh, sign this, or you're fired. In some cases, workers can't start their own businesses similar to the ones they're working in. Uh, if you're a phlebotomist or a journalist and you think that you can't practice your trade in the area in which you work for a long period of time, that's still significantly chilling. It could still mean that you don't match with the optimal job that you want. That's Elizabeth Wilkins, director of the Office of Policy Planning at the FTC. You can't get a raise. You can't ask for the kinds of things that you might be able to ask for if you could get a better job. It takes away your bargaining power is what it does. Agreements are sometimes foisted upon low-wage workers, preventing them from jumping ship to a different restaurant or retail store offering higher pay. Among workplaces paying an average of less than $13 an hour, 29% have non-competes for all workers, according to a report from the left-leaning Economic Policy Institute. One famous example of non-competes is stopping sandwich sales. In Illinois, a sandwich chain, Jimmy John's, settled a lawsuit from the state's attorney general in 2016 and said it would no longer enforce non-competes on its workers. Workers had been banned from working at any business within two or three miles of a Jimmy John's that made over 10% of its revenues from selling submarine, hero-type, deli-style, pita, and or wrapped or rolled sandwiches for two years. <laughs> the White House has already taken aim at non-competes as a barrier to competition. President signed an executive order last summer encouraging the FTC to ban or limit the agreements. Now the FTC is doing just that with its proposed rule outlawing employers from entering into, maintaining, or making it seem as though a worker is subject to a non-compete. Independent contractors and unpaid workers would be subject to the rule also. Under employers would have to rescind current non-competes and let workers know that they're doing so. Public will have 60 days to submit comments on the proposed rule, which the FTC will then review and potentially incorporate into a final rule. Anecdotally, some businesses have recently been more dogged in enforcing non-competes amidst labor shortages in an attempt to keep workers. The rule is likely to attract ire from businesses which deploy the non-competes. Of course, crucially, non-competes are one mechanism for maintaining what's called monopsony power, which means that due to a lack of competition, employers have more power over the labor market and the ability to do things like set wages at lower levels than a more competitive market would create. The Treasury Department previously found that wages are 15 to 20% lower currently than they would be in a perfectly competitive labor market, showcasing the power that employers still hold. One reason for those suppressed wages, according to the Treasury, is non-competes. So, of course, that estimate, as you know, trying to estimate the economy in a perfect setting would be difficult to do. But uh, if this rule were to be finalized and go into effect, workers that are currently stuck in a place effectively would now be able to freely move to another job. I would think that would basically force employers to compete more vigorously over workers in ways that should lead to higher wages. That should lead to improved working condition. So that, to me, is a good idea. They can't ban all of them because I believe they're necessary in the example I gave at the front end of the video, where if I'm going to sell my business and the goodwill with my business, nobody in their right mind would buy it if I couldn't 
offer them a non-compete along with it. And I can also tell you that I've seen examples of it in radio. It was quite common in radio as well. I know people uh, who fairly recently uh, had worked at a radio station and they had had a non-compete that they signed. And then when they were let go, they said, oh, well, you let me go. And they went back and looked and the non-compete said, whether we let you go or whether you leave on your own, you agree not to compete within a certain radius for a certain period of time. Now, the radius wasn't that big and the time wasn't that long in that particular case. But I've seen other ones where they say, like, you can't work in this market for so many years if you leave. If we fire you, it's different. And that's extremely common in radio stations where they put a lot of money into promoting a particular disc jockey or announcer or show. So as you can imagine, if you've got a radio station and uh, a new morning team shows up one morning and they're gangbusters and you start promoting them with billboards and TV ads and, and all kinds, you're pouring money into the show to make it number one and it becomes number one. And then the crosstown rival of yours approaches them and says, hey guys, come work over here, we'll pay you a little more. Well, they might be good. They might be largely responsible for their success. But the radio station did sink a lot of money into helping them get where they got. So in those cases where they've signed a contract with the morning show and said, look, you guys can work here for at least three years. And during that three-year period, if you leave, break this contract, you cannot work in this market for so many you know, years uh, and, and they'll, they'll define the market quite well. And that makes sense to me also. But the big difference is, is that do you really think that somebody who's delivering Jimmy John's can somehow take the knowledge that they've gotten from Jimmy John's and take it to a competitor down the street and that's going to hurt Jimmy John's? Or is it going to simply hurt that one outlet because they lost a delivery person? And I know guys who've worked delivering food. Uh, a couple of my brothers <laughs> delivered a lot of pizzas at a couple different places. And it never occurred to anybody that if you worked at this pizza place delivering pizzas and you found that you could make more money working over here, you just go work over there. And these guys find somebody new. That's just what you do. That's, that's, what, you know, that's, that's what workers do. And so I was kind of surprised when I saw the figures and how many people have been asked to sign these non-competes and at what kind of level of employment they were. Because, again, the executives at a car company, makes sense to me. Uh, sale is part of the goodwill of a business, makes sense to me. And by the way, a very good friend of mine owned a business that he started with a couple of his friends, built it up very, very quickly, and, and became dominant in its field in America. It was huge. This company was huge. And um, one day, a competitor came along and said, we want to buy you guys out. We want to buy your business. And my friend said, yeah, well, you know, everything's for sale. What are we talking here? And they threw out some numbers that apparently attracted my friend and his partner's attention. They said, fine, we'll sell. And as part of that sale, they had a non-compete built into there that said, you cannot do this for a period of time. And my friend took some time off and watched <laughs> as the buyers of his business did all kinds of things with the business that he never would have done. And he thought to himself, boy, when my non-compete runs out, I bet I can get right back in there and do it again. And he did. <laughs> he's got another business right now. In essence, doing the exact same thing he did before. He's competing with his old company and he's kicking it. <laughs> I'm not sure if I can say that. So I'll, I'll say I, I, he's kicking its butt. But I'll just take the word out. I don't know. <laughs>
I, I don't want to turn this show into an R-rated you know, morning show. So there you go. FTC wants to ban companies from telling their employees that they can't work for competitors. They say that it'll help workers to the tune of $300 billion spread out across the workforce in a year. Insider.com ran it. Andrew, Donna, John, Nathan, Kevin, and Trace all said it. Thanks a lot. Questions or comments? Put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. And a quick note for the people on the audio-only podcast. I mentioned last week that I had questions about continuing this podcast, and uh, I was just kind of like thinking about it and examining it and reevaluating it. And one thing I mentioned was that it takes a lot of work, and it's an investment mainly of time on my part, but it does cost me some money. And I mentioned I put up a Patreon a while back so that if people wanted to, they could help defray the costs of keeping it running. And the response I got to that message was overwhelming. I got a lot of people telling me, number one, they love the audio podcast. They can't really listen to the YouTube podcast based on you know what they do for a living or something. Uh, and also that I got a lot of offers of help. People said, well, Steve, is there any way we can help you? And although I appreciate that, I don't think there's any way that you could actually help me because, for instance, for me to take the podcast and Dropbox to somebody else so they can upload it <laughs> has me uploading it just to someplace else. So that doesn't really help me. But I had so many people respond and sign up with Patreon that I thought to myself, you know something, uh, if this kind of loyalty is there, I'm going to reward it. So for the time being, I'm going to keep the audio podcast up. It's got 8 million downloads now, so I may as well keep that going. So for the time being, the audio podcast is safe. Thank you for listening to it. I do appreciate it. I still consider Leto's Law to be a podcast that happens to be on YouTube, not the other way around. And so I've always enjoyed having the podcast. So I will keep having the podcast going forward. Thank you for your support, and I will talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Leto's Law. A stockbroker urged me to buy a stock that would triple every year. I told him at my age, I don't even buy green bananas.